Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hello and uh, welcome to Two Guys, One Urn, a cricket-adjacent podcast. Uh, my name is Will Anderson and joining me this week, a special guest, very happy to have him on, uh, a man who loves his cricket, Adam Zwar, joins mm. me on the show. Hello, Adam. How are you? Will, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Someone's asking me about cricket. It's, it's like I'm like a, pound, like a dog at a pound who's uh, just been picked up and taken home. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're here because, uh, of course, this is the morning where England have uh, struck back in the third test. So Australia now 2-1 up in the series. And just, like, I'd, I'd love your immediate take on it because we're talking about it hours after it's happened. Like, in ret- like I'm, I'm conflicted today. As, like, ordinarily, as an Australian, there's nothing that I would have liked to see more than Australia, like, wins 3-0, stick it up the palms, like, brilliant. But for someone who loves Test Match Cricket and is worried about the future of Test Match Cricket, and so far this series has done so much to sort of, you know, to show that Test Match Cricket can still be exciting and vibrant and interesting and, you know, I think that if we'd gone 3-0 up, like, it would have been an inaccurate, you know, result and maybe doomed a test match cricket forever. So what's your take uh, on the morning after, Adam? I agree with you. I love an easy win. Um, I don't like any stress in my life, if that's possible. Uh, you know, that, that, that wish has not been successful uh, in any parts of my life, including cricket. Um, so, yeah, look, I... I guess in many ways England have won possibly more sessions throughout the series than Australia have. Um, so they were due for a win. I also think bringing Wokes and Wood into the into the te- in the, the test team um, has been such a good move. It's really changed the complexion of England, and having Wood bowling at one hundred and fifty plus, it, it, it kind of it. Sometimes it just makes uh, some of the old Australian batsmen look a little bit kind of uh, old. I, I think that's one of the things that happens when you. I mean, you could be a flat, you could be a medium pace bully when you're still 36, 37. But when someone's bowling 155, then you, you, everything just quickens up and you're shown up. Your reflexes are shown up. You know, it happened with pointing towards the end of his career. And um, so, yeah, I, I think also having. Wood and Marsh, this is something for us. Uh, Wood and Marsh in the in both teams, they're two of the funniest cricketers playing test match cricket. Um, if anyone wants to see Marsh's stylings, go and watch the first season of the test on Amazon where he leads dance groups with the, and uh, does air drumming and a lot of great physical comedy. And Wood's the same. There's a lot of stuff online of Wood, you know, on you know, coming out of anaesthetics and and uh, just misbehaving on the boundary. He's a funny guy. They're naturally funny guys. So I was happy to see those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was definitely a win for the funny guys. Yeah. Like I think, I think we can tick that. We can just say, <laughs> yeah, no, but like, I mean, there's been a lot of comedy to do. I mean, look, they say that tragedy plus time, you know, equals comedy. And I, there hadn't been much time between the second test <laughs> tragedy for England and the third <laughs> test comedy. But I like... 
I like the switch to comedy because baseball in general has an element of comedy, I think, baked <laughs> into it, right? But this is, uh, <laughs> but it is interesting. I think the big thing about the wood selection is honestly that, that it just meant that they then made a pitch that was suitable for Test Match Cricket oh, yeah. that wasn't just the flat track, yeah. right? Because they picked a guy who bowled fast, they actually prepared like this wicket, which like, I mean, I would have liked to see Wood have to bowl on those roads that they prepared in the first two Test Matches. I'm not sure that he would have necessarily oh. struck as much no. fear into the Australian hearts at that stage. Well, when, did, when in your cricket watching life did you realise that essentially home sides curated pitches to suit their teams. Oh, you mean that every country in the world does it apart from Australia, who always, of course, prepares absolutely neutral pitches for every <laughs> No, situation. no, no. I just, yeah. That's what that's no, what no, you, that, was, that was not my inference. That's what you <laughs> – No implications, sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, the reason I say it that way is that it's in the same way as – everyone else in the world is racist but Australians aren't racist <laughs> or whatever it is you think about your own country, right, <laughs> that you're taught when you're growing up, that everyone else is terrible. There was slavery everywhere else but there was no slavery in Australia and then you get to be an adult and read a few history books and go, oh, it turns out maybe I was told something that isn't actually completely accurate. And so it always – like I grew up knowing that India fixed their pitches or, you know, England <laughs> would prepare pitches yeah, yeah, that yeah. said – but. <laughs> <laughs> right, but there was this real idea that Australia was above that and that we <laughs> didn't prepare pitches that were suited. Like, yeah. So true, so true. Do you, do you know what, just tangentially, you've yeah. reminded me of that Nish Kumar quote, in many ways racism is like cricket, invented here but perfected by Australia. Right. Um, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it, look, I, I think that I, – I, I think that um, – we just naturally had those, <laughs> those, those big, fast, bouncy w- wickets, and they scared. Mm. We don't actually have to do anything except possibly make Adelaide a night test match, and then suddenly we've we've got advantage all around. Yeah, and also starting in Brisbane. Oh my God! If you're a, like you, now, we you know you, the coverage is so complete when it comes to cricket. We get to see the Indian. You know the the Indian series, which we didn't really have great coverage of when we were growing up, or Pakistan. Um, but you see how different those wickets are compared to the Australian wickets. And so, when you've been playing in India, and then you come on, uh, if you, you you play the first test at the Gabba on that sticky wicket, where the ball's going, you know, everywhere and nowhere at 150 k's. I mean, it must be terrifying for those guys. Fortunately, they're the the best batsmen in in the world. You know, they're Chosen from a billion and a half people, they chose the top eleven players. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary to think about it. But it is incredible, isn't it? Because it's that classic thing of when you then see what they prepare for us when we go over there. Where we're just suddenly like, oh yeah, three spinners. I guess we're playing three spinners. Is that what we do over here? <laughs> like, I'm not sure there's three three spinners in Australia. No, I was going to ask. And suddenly this. Because, I mean, I was thinking I was a little bit disappointed in Murphy and I was thinking, Can we, is Swepson over there? I mean, who who else have we got? Um, yeah, it's uh, – you're dead right. And also, I mean, I don't, re- I don't know if you watched the 2001 series when, when Harbhajan rendered people with, with the skill of Ricky Ponting kind of to look drunk at the crease. I mean, they, they just didn't know what was going on and that, that's a mixture of the pitch and the, and the, 
skill of the bowler. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's test cricket. I mean, someone who could be so good and so dexterous just been rendered useless on another wicket. And um, I mean, the England the England wickets aren't as green. Well, haven't been green really at all. Uh, um, past day two, I guess. You know, I mean, they've kind of got a bit of a, a green wash on the first morning, but they haven't done – it hasn't actually played like a green wicket. They've just, you know, been kind of true. Have you found that? Yeah, that's – they've got, they've very much got a big electricity company approach to climate change about them, the English wickets. <laughs> they appear to be green but reveal themselves to not be very green at all on closer inspection. I think very Tory, yeah. It's very B- Boris Johnson, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, we're green. It's greenwashing, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what I think – like, I mean, this is what I'd love to see in Australia. I mean – We've gone away from the match already to just pure general cricket chat, which seems to be the right thing to do when England have won the test. We'll circle back to that in a minute. But I've always loved the idea of why couldn't we in Australia? This is like a two-pronged thing that I would like to see, right? So firstly, it has two aims, which is to make sure that Australia can play on every wicket and develop cricketers who play on every sort of style of wicket. But also the idea that we get people back to the domestic, like, long-form competition, the Sheffield Shield. I think we've got to demand. The ACB have got to step in and they've got to make each state in Australia prepare a wicket that is like it. So, like, you know, Tassie becomes the English wicket. You know what I mean? Like, and Sydney is like the Indian wicket. And they prepare them to those conditions. I love it. So that we know. So we have like a rounded competition. We have to play in all those conditions. I love it. Some play and only one. I think you only get to play with the Kookaburra ball in Brisbane. Everywhere else is a duke. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And and where's uh, like, you know, where's an Indian wicket? Is that Melbourne? Or do you say, would that be Sydney? Sydney probably. Well, I'm. I mean, Sydney already spins, so I think it's easier yeah. to turn into a subcontinental wicket, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, Perth is kind of a bit I Cape mean, Town-ish. Some of your more obscure places are only going to be like your Bangladesh or like, you know, <laughs> to tours we're not doing as often. Like, you know, Darwin can prepare a Bangladeshi wicket or something. I love it, mate. I love that idea. I think we should do it. I think it'd make it really interesting. And, um, uh, yeah, like those – Especially that you know, with, with Shield, they they do play in a lot of dead wickets and with dead matches. Whereas, you know, curators around the world are really preparing three day you know pitches for three day games now. So, it's kind of it, it's it's yeah. This is what I love about the way the English play. Because like a friend of mine said to me this morning, they said, oh, well, a draw in the next game would be good so that we, you know, get the ashes. But, you know, it's still a pretty lively series. And I said, the one thing I can tell you, unless weather like wipes out two and a half days of the test match, there will be a result in each of the last two matches. Because the way that England play their cricket just means that there is going to be a result in the games. I think Broad actually even said it. He said, you know, there'll be results in, in yeah. the next three tests. I mean, they know. I think they know. <laughs> they must get a memo on what the pitches are going to be. But, yeah, you, you're dead right. It's, not, there's, it's going to be, um, you know, it'll be 3-2 or hopefully 4-1. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – I, I came into this test – because you, were you living in LA in 2019? Uh, yeah, that was my last year there. So, did you watch Headingley in 2019 with the with the Stokes chase down? Oh, I don't think 
I don't think I watched it live. No, I think I've only seen it like in retrospect. Well, to listen to listeners that when you're in LA, the only way you can watch cricket is via this app called Willow, and which was actually financed and established by Mick Jagger because he wanted to watch uh, cricket all around the world. And so you get the you get the live feed. It's really great because you get a live feed of the host broadcaster, but the stump mic is turned up the whole time. So you, you're actually getting, you know, especially in between overs, you, you can actually hear what everyone's saying. It's it's quite it's quite interesting from that point of view. But I was living. I, I don't know if you ever came to my place, Willow. It was it was bet- it was just near La Brea. It's on wearing between La Brea and and, um, and Melrose, and. Uh, well, just on that corner. And I was watching, you know, Stokes chase down those runs and Headingley and, you know, that calamitous last over from Lyon. And and I never felt so sad in my <laughs> cricketing life. I've never been so devastated. <laughs> and you just see all these kind of, you know, groovy Hollywood people walking by, not a fucking care in the world, and you go, don't you realise what's just happened? <laughs> Um, yeah it was it was devastating and then you know and so and before that you know 81 I remember crying when Australia lost that match when Bobulus took eight eight wickets and I was only a little kid and it was one of my first um altercations with grief I, I I guess and that was the one that was the test that that you know, Dennis Lilly and, and Rod Marsh put five pounds on England winning at odds of 500 to one. And they, I think they made 7,500 pounds. Um, and they were going to keep it secret, but Kim Hughes dobbed them in. <laughs> dobbed this. Kim Hughes <laughs> went to the media. And if you read Golden Boy, which is the greatest cricket biography ever uh, of, of Kim Hughes, uh, it talks about Kim and, and Dennis Lilly having a, like a pretty mad wrestle in a pub immediately afterwards because, mm. you know, um, Hughes has spilled the beans on the bed. So Headingley's got these ghosts. So you know, when you asked me to come on the podcast, and I, you know, I, I had an awful feeling it was going to be Headingley and we'd lose. None of this surprises me. So I'm not devastated this morning. I'm kind of going, well, yeah, this is how it's meant to play out. I felt like you spoke earlier on about the idea that you know England might have even won one more session so far in this Test series than Australia. I certainly know. Um, I've, I've got a couple of friends who aren't watching but are keeping in the loop through sort of daily updates from me. I, they just get my little – I'm the KO mini of their world where I just explain it to them in terms they can understand how it's going. And the biggest question they have most days is who's in front, who's winning, which is always, as you know, a tough thing to like pick in a test match. But I think in this series, more than any other series that I have watched, from day to day – it is very hard to tell who's winning. Like you get senses of who's winning from day to day, but it's felt really close on most days of the three tests. So the fact that like England, you know, were two nil down, I never felt was entirely indicative of what had happened so far. So it doesn't surprise me that they won one, put it that way. Well, remember as a kid, Richie introduced me to the phrase delicately poised. You know, delicately poised has been, you know, the catchphrase for this whole uh, series. Um, it was I, there was a little kind of bad signs along the way with this test match. Um, so the last time Steve Smith caught five catches in an innings was Cape Town twenty eighteen, 
the next day yeah. was sandpaper. What happened there yeah. again? That's a really familiar. Di- it sounds familiar to me for some reason. Was there some other story that came out of that game apart from Steve Smith uh, yeah. catching five catches? I don't know. I don't know. Most shameful day in Australian history. Um, All they remember is that Dave Warner celebrated <laughs> by popping down to the local South African Bunnings to grab something. I can't remember what it was, but and, and like the like the standover man he was, he offloaded the job to someone else. You know, like the mafia hitman. <laughs> Here you go, kid. Um, yeah, so that that happened, and also uh, yeah, so so I remember when I, I read that stat, I went, oh god. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I never really thought we were in it last night. <laughs> so what you're, what you're saying is compared to like almost destroying Australian cricket entirely, this is a win that's for right, us is that, what you're saying. That's right. That, that's right. I, I think we've got out of this well. Um, yeah, compared to last <laughs> time. <laughs> don't catch five catches in innings, Steve Smith, please. Um Bat properly, but maybe 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 score some runs. Maybe don't get too cocky and kind of you know lift one, lift Mo and Ali. I, I don't know how he, I don't know how Steve Smith got out. To I don't know. It was just a brain fade. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I felt that uh, I I always felt that England were in front. Always had a little bit of a nose in front, and. What was another interesting stat was last night they did say, or the night before they did say they wanted to um, treat this run chase like a like a uh, ODI, like a one day international, and they got the winning run on the last delivery of the fiftieth over. I mean, to be honest, if you only made two hundred and fifty in a uh, one day international, you would get thrashed by whoever yeah. you were playing, though. So, but you and I are old enough. You and I are old. slightly slower. Yeah, yeah. But you and I are old enough. Remember when two fifty was a great score? You got you feel pretty comfortable. Remember, if you got two fifty yeah, against right. uh, Pakistan, and you go, okay, no, we're we're right here. But yeah, I, look, I mean, I thought I, I was hopeful. I think the only thing that gave me hope was I didn't feel like we had enough runs, and my only hope was that. That was the hope, you know, that cricket logic where you're like, maybe a smaller score is actually more daunting than a bigger score. And you start to go, you know, the psychology, you know, <laughs> like maybe it's better to have a smaller score, which is that great. Yeah. Only people who've watched a lot of test match cricket understand that that psychology. You de- definitely. I, I And when Stokes got out, I thought that might have been the scenario. The um, the um the thing about watching too much test cricket is you've seen pretty much every every possible scenario available. So even when there's three runs to get and three wickets in hand, you go, well, I've seen this before. Mm. I've seen uh, yep. three go down. It's yeah, happened. exactly. So you kind of – that keeps you up late at night and that destroys the rest of your day. Uh, so I'm pretty bleary-eyed this morning. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I, – I kept – I was texting with a friend and I kept thinking uh, at some stage they're just going to like – get enough ahead of us that I'll be confident to go to bed. And the Australians just did kept doing enough that I'm like, I am not going to bed and, and missing Mitchell Stark roll through their tail in one of the most historic victories of all time. Like the whole time you're like, I'm sure England are going to win this, but the Aussies were just teasing. I remember after the first two overs, me and my friend are texting each other going, uh, there's, the, the ball's not moving around. It's not good conditions. They're going to get these easy. And then you're just like, oh, there's just enough. There's just enough. Don't go to bed yet. There's just enough. I know. I mean, the, the, how cleanly was Zach Crawley hitting the ball? You just went, oh. you could have gone to bed after those first two overs. <laughs> you just, it was just kind of. Yeah. And then 
Um, yeah, it's just that I, I, I think the thing was that Cummins wasn't bowling with the heat that he was bowling in the first innings. Um, he must be exhausted, poor bastard. They get, they're going to need these nine days off, every one of them. Um, where, where is it? Uh, it's, it's not Trent Bridge, it's Old Trafford. So, um, yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to be interesting on the Australians, isn't it? Because, like, the, the English are in the third test of the series, right? They're at the midway point. But we're actually into our fourth test now. And we've actually had three wins in a row. We beat India yes. and then we beat England yes. twice. And this is – and all of them really, really close to each other. Yeah, yeah. and you you saw – you were watching last night. You would have seen that big yawn from Travis Head about, at the third. Yeah. It was just an, an uncontrolled, <laughs> unfettered yawn that the cameras like were on, in close on. And I went, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, we. I should talk to Will about that that uh, World Championship test as well because that that yeah, we've, you know, a five test series is um is exhausting. It's it's and especially the one. Well, in the old days, a five test series was exhausting, but they would spread it over three months of the year. Whereas, like, they're already playing a five set test series, essentially one per week for the entire period that it's on. And the Aussies rolled off the back of, like, the World Test Championship as well. So, like, it's forgivable. Like, even Steve Smith, like, in this match where you're like, oh, you know, he's – like, he didn't back grade and he played a terrible shot. And you're like, oh, has he been okay? And you think he's played four tests yeah. and he's made 200s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. And as Ponting said, you always get very nervous in your hundredth. Um, yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah. The kid's doing fine. Um, yeah. And yeah, and remember, you and I again. I, I don't want to start keep repeating our age, but we remember rest days. Do you remember the rest day? So it was it's five day test and normally six days. It was a rest day, generally on a Sunday, where players could go to church, as air quotes there for the listeners, um, and then you'd see them at at some pub or you know they'd just be kind of like. Just on the tear on <laughs> that's on that well, day three or something between day and three day three and day four was the rest day um and uh yeah, so I mean, I guess it was uh, I guess it you know not great in the system, but good on the body, you know you're not bowling or batting, but it has made it interesting in regard to squads, right because clearly the this series is going to be won by a squad, not by like a settled team. And you've already seen that with injuries and, you know, like, I mean, obviously England made a couple of changes in this match that really, I think, made them a substantially more formidable team, I thought. And, you know, the Australians had a couple of losses, but you talked about Mitch Marsh. So that's let's talk about the good news for the Aussies first, which is Mitch Marsh, Marsh really. He's the good news, right? He – what a – Amazing, like you know, like literally, as he said, you know, like he he thought he was going on a UK holiday, and he's come back with the Ashes Test century, which is amazing. The fact that there was so little idea that this would happen, that like his dad and his brother are in Bali celebrating his brother's fortieth birthday, <laughs> like like some of the best wear blind reaction videos, <laughs> wear blind in a bar in Bali reaction videos you will ever see in your entire life. Fantastic. And so let's talk about that for a start. I mean, what a great story. And great for Mitch who like is regard warmly regarded as one of the most popular internally. Yeah. yeah. One of the most popular members of the Australian team. Yeah, it's it's really 
it's really interesting as you, you you just kind of had that caveat internally because you know externally he was he was he's right when he says he was hated he, he kind of was I mean if you looked at Twitter there was a lot of junk about him um you know there was that perception that the Marsh brothers were given way too many chances and look um Sean did so well in domestic cricket that you kept on having to give him chances uh Mitch second all-rounder and also has had this kind of um, renaissance as a as a T20 player and an ODI player. Just like for some reason he came back from that injury about three years ago. I think Mike was talking about it, Mike, your producer. Uh, he came back three years ago uh, from a long injury and suddenly was just hitting the ball a lot cleaner than he'd ever hit, hit it before. Um, but as you say, the one of the most liked people internally, and it is funny there is that kind of – it's, it's the same in politics where, like, for instance, Julia Gillard was loved by anyone who met her, but she had – you know, she wasn't loved by the electorate. Uh, some – I loved her, but, you know, just broadly she wasn't loved by the electorate. And it's the same, similar with with cricketers too, you know. There, there are a lot of, you know, like I'm sure I, – I know that Stuart Broad's loved and people rate him so highly and – I know that they think he's going to be perhaps the greatest cricket commentator, you know, when he leaves the game because he's, you know, he's, he's very articulate about the game and everything. Um, and and the same as with with Mitch Marsh. I mean, just I'm not saying that Mitch is going to. I think Mitch will probably do sketch comedy when he leaves. But I I think that uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you know you're dead right that that, that he's loved and um, suddenly we've. Australia's hearts are so open to the Marsh family, this poor family that we've we've kind of tortured for for over a decade. But this is what we love as Australians. <laughs> we love like a redemption arc. We love a redemption story, even when we're the people who made it miserable for them in the first place. Now we're like, you're back. You've you've done it. Like I mean, the Marshes. Yes, I and I was certainly one of those people as well because the tease with the Marshes, and I think Mitch got a bit of Sean rubbed off on him, which yes. was that their dad <laughs> played in an era where, like, you know, he, he, averaging thirty five as an opener was fine, right? <laughs> like that was that was good. Like pat you on the back, but we'd moved on from that, and then yeah. both those Marshes had talent to burn. Like Sean Marsh, even at the Test level, when you saw him at his best. He was. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> My dog's really. Uh, yeah, I think we judge. The, yeah, I, okay. So I think as Australians, we judge the marshes as a package, right? And it's yes. unfair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we we almost confuse them all a bit. We lump them all in the same box, and we don't really like. You know, there was just this perception about the marshes being absolute gun like domestic players and people who teased how good they were at the next level but could never consistently do it. Now, for Sean, that's an accurate um, criticism because Sean's job was to bat, right? So if you're an inconsistent batsman, that eventually becomes a problem, you know, despite how good you are at your best. But I think in Australia, our fundamental problem is we don't understand what to expect from all-rounders because I hear people criticise what Cameron Green does and you think, no, no, that's what an all-rounder does. 
Like we, we expect if they're good at both that they will average 50 with the bat and that they will like have a 25 average with the ball. But really in the history of all-rounders, and look, if you look at Stokes, if you look at Both like them, anyone Stokes, when all, you go backwards, yeah. it's all in the thir- right. all in the thirties, thirty and thirty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? it's all in the, yeah. in the same thirties and thirties. Imran, Imran yeah. Kapil Dev, yeah, all thirties, yeah, yeah. And I think we have unreal ex- unrealistic expectations for all rounders, and we don't quite understand that. Whereas, like Mitch Marsh, I mean, he's clearly a much better player now. And I just think you said something really insightful before, which was the Julia Gillard thing, because. I think that the problem with Julia Gillard once she was Prime Minister was she stopped being Julia Gillard and she was kind of acting like she thought a Prime Minister should act. So that's why many of the things many of the things she did was did were great and some of the legacies are really great, but the perception of her and the way she came across to the public didn't quite gel in the way that people who knew her and liked her. And I think for a while Mitch Marsh was pretending so hard to try to be a test match cricketer and he feels a bit like Usman Khawaja that he's come back more relaxed more himself and just gone this is who I am I didn't expect to get this opportunity (laughs) again so I'm not going to pretend to be anybody else I'm just going to be myself and I think I mean he could I mean what do you think about selection for the fourth test because it's going to get so speculative and I imagine it's get the conversation's going to be do they drop Warner, get someone else to open and play both all rounds? Well, right? yeah. I mean, look, I, the, the funny thing about selection is we're all we're all always wrong. Um, so it, it doesn't matter how. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's the yeah, best. That's right. And the confidence <laughs> people talk about selection on Twitter is, is hilarious. You know, it's like yeah. this is what's going to happen. And, and, and if you disagree with me, you're – Travis Head would have been my first picked in India for the first <laughs> test. I would have gone, well, obviously Travis Head will pick our best batsman, I assume. That's a, it's a really interesting thing. If we can go back to politics, Will, the, the knife thing, yeah. anyone who kind of understood the Labor Party knew that Rudd had fallen off the rails, right? And that, that he was his he was going to go soon, but Australia hadn't caught up, and it was a little bit the same with Travis Head's uh, uh, dropping in India in that first test. It's like we knew that he'd gone terribly in Sri Lanka, and and that there was a big question mark about his uh, ability with spin, but Australia hadn't caught up. And that night on Twitter, which you've left, but it was it, that night on Twitter, it was like. What, what's happened to Travis Head? And you know, and you kind of go, well, there's a question mark over his ability to play spin. Um, but we're always wrong. Travis Head came out in the second test and, and suddenly shown that he'd practiced a whole lot. And you know, that per your statement before about different pitches, what I love, and, and Matthew Hayden was the first to do this, was getting is getting curators to prepare different pitches in the nets, and 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 Head had really gone to work on that. Um, and see, this is why my plan. I mean, imagine if every week he batted at the you know the Adelaide Oval that had pre- been prepared just like a Pakistani. <laughs> definitely, turner, mate. You know? Definitely, I think it's a really good idea. In fact, you know, I'd be talking to Mike Baird and get, getting you a job at a, you know Cricket Australia. I um yeah, I, I think that back to your question. I, I do get rambly. Um, I, I I have a fantasy where I would love to see. Kawaja and, and Mitch Marsh opening that won't happen, but that'd be so cool. Um, there might be there might be an argument to put Travis Head um, open and keep the two all rounders in the middle. Um, then they might even go with a with a kind of a, a, a Renshaw or Harris. And I, I 
to be, you know, you know, that would disappoint me a little bit, even though uh, Renshaw went to the same school as I did. Um, and I, <laughs> I always say we went to school together 30 years apart, but, you know, um, it's, <laughs> it's uh, look, I, I, I would love to see. It's very hard to drop Mitch Marsh after that cameo. I mean, what what do you you know? Uh, you could you, you you is there a way you could who would you, if you could have Head Marsh or Green opening with Kawaja, who would you go with? I think that we would be silly to uh, change where Travis Head is batting because, like, he's had a pretty good, particularly now that he's got his head around how he's going to deal with the short pitch bowling. I think you know he's had a pretty good, pretty good run, and it feels like. Yeah, you know, watch out, England, if you continue to just bowl it to him there, because I think he's worked out how yeah. to, you it's know, practice. bat there as well now. Yeah. So I don't. I think in Australia, like I think in Australia, he could be the solu- like the solution. Like on the wickets we have in Australia, if Warner doesn't make it to the Australian summer, I could see us absolutely opening the batting in Australia with Travis Head. But do I think that it's right in England? Probably not. I think that. Green or Marsh could open, honestly. They both have that, like, style, like, different styles, but I think either of the all-rounders could open. And I would be interested in seeing a left-hander and a right-hander open the batting. Yeah, I think same. that would be good for Australia to have that. And I don't know. I just I, – I, just having them both there, they're both handy for a wicket or two, and I think that's going to be – like you know, important yeah. on like for the next couple yeah, of games. Yeah, yeah, and they're both right hands, as you say. I mean, what's interesting? Mm. I mean, Kawaja's an argument argument against this, but what's happening with Broad is he's getting that little bit late away swing away from Warner, which exactly what Flintoff did with Hayden in two thousand and five, and he's just he's just incapable of playing it. What is it? Seventeen times he's been out to Broad now. Um, that ain't gonna. That ain't going to improve. That's oh, sorry. That it'll probably improve for for Broad. <laughs> He's going to keep getting for him. Broad, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's almost definitely <laughs> going to improve for Broad if we keep playing Warner. <laughs> um, no, but Warner's not going to improve. That's for sure. So look, it's um, it's a it's a bit sad, but I yeah I, I if coming like I went on Twitter yesterday and said oh you know Marsh should open. But now I'm thinking that Green may have a little bit more of a correct technique, um, marginally. Uh, so it'll depend on the pitch. Ness has obviously gone uh, back to play a bit of county cricket, so they're obviously thinking about him because Hazelwood wasn't really didn't really penetrate, and of course Bolin uh, has been a bit flat. Um, that was interesting in the commentary last night. You, you would have heard, I think. Someone saying that you know Bolland got the invitation to to play county cricket, but he chose not to go, and and then you go, well, he probably should have. He's probably riding too high on his recent performances, but um, because uh, I I really believe that anyone who goes and preps in county cricket before an Ashes series in England uh, is doing the right thing. I know, but it's just like when he was bowling in the World Test Championships, it looked like he'd. You know, you would have said he's got everything just perfect, and you were going to be like, he's he's going to be unplayable here. But the, the English, like last time they faced him, like you know, was when he got the you know 
like yeah. incredible figures. Like he was just rolling through yeah. them. And the way he bowled in that World Test Championship, there was just a bit of me that said, he's going to be unplayable. But then they were like, oh, here's how we're going to play him, like a spinner. We're just going to walk down the pitch, completely ruin his line, which is his great advantage, is just dropping it on the same spot at every opportunity. We're just going to destroy that with our confidence and attack him. And it really... I mean, it's actually because I love Scott Boland as a bowler, but yeah, he, it, they've definitely worked him out. They've got a an absolute strategy that works against him, and it's put him off his work for sure. Don't, don't you hate it when they work someone out? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I it's, know it's annoying. Yeah. I love when we work someone that's out, right. and I hate when they work one of our <laughs> people right. out. That's the same. <laughs> so I remember when they back in the day when they worked Kepler vessels out. It took yeah. one innings to work Kepler vessels yeah. out because he had that weird stance, and um, and then so. You know, his whole life was destroyed after that. It's, yeah, it's, uh, but then, of course, if you like what you're saying about Travis Head, I mean, if you're going to keep bowling short on leg stop, he's going to learn how to hook and pull properly. And he has, because he's not, he's not scared. And that's that's great to watch. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love is like when you see somebody, so that's when they go, okay, this person comes onto the scene you know, for whatever reason they are able to dominate, you know, whether it be a batsman or a bowler, then they get worked out a little. Here is our technique that we're going to take against this person. And then if you, that, then they can come up with another way to get it done. It is good to watch. It really is. I'd love to be in the brains trust in the meetings, like when they're just pouring over footage and just going, this is how you do it. You know, try this, Mm. you know, what is, what's bowling line length. Okay. He's always bowling in the same spot. So why are we batting in the same spot? Well, I guess it kind of makes sense now when I, when I say it, it's just kind of a simple, mm. you know, a simple alternative. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – so I would have uh, uh, either of the two all-rounders opening. I agree with you about Head. Just leave him where he is. He's, he's, he's in a good place. Um, and then I would have Nessa coming in for, for either – or for Boland, obviously. I don't think Hazel would – I don't, everyone's saying on Twitter, I, you know, I'll oh, bring him back Hazelwood, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, there's a reason why he's not playing in this test. He's not injured, so. Um. Well, I think that they've got to be able to protect his body clearly, but I think, I think if you're going to roll the dice on Nessa, and I think that they will want to, like. You don't leave it till you're two all going into exactly. the fifth test because then it's too big a exactly. risk, right? Like if you're going to do it, you've got to do it next test and. I think based on what you've said, like, I mean, Cummins, like, honestly, like, Stark's earned his place. Like, you you just can't drop him. He's proved that, like, you know, that with the conditions, the way that they are, that he's an important player to have for us to have in the team. And it was probably a little silly that we thought we shouldn't have him in the first place in retrospect. Like, Cummins is going to play. But Cummins really bowls a lot like Hazelwood, like, at the end of the day. If you're looking for that third bowler to be a bowler of difference. It's got to be Nessa. I think if we get if if there's a reason to pick him, if they think it's worth picking him, they've got to pick him next test. Otherwise they're not going to like then it's a hail then it's desperate hail mary in the fifth test. Yeah. I mean that that's ironically that's what Tubby was saying last night about bringing Murphy on to bowl. Don't bowl him, you know, when there's 70 runs to win. Let's give him, a, you know, let's see him early when the pressure's off him a little bit. He can get his rhythm, um, which brings me to, I mean, because just talking of, you know, so in two thousand and five, McGrath, uh, McGrath in the second test, McGrath stepped on a on a ball and yes, you know, 
was it? On an AF, on an AFL, well, it was while kicking an AFL yeah. football, stepped on a cricket ball. Yeah, that's was, right. That, that's what it was. It? It's like, what's a fucking cricket ball just like lying in front of, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and then of course, Lyon goes down in the second test. Jesus, I, I, I don't know if you, if you felt this as well, but God, Lyon's important to us. I mean, so important. There's so much going on that is similar. You know, McGrath, of course, famously, yeah, the five nil predictions, we were absolutely flying. He was our most important player and pretty much it all goes to shit after he rolls on that ball. That's it. Like, you know, it's all going fine and then it all goes to shit. That's like the story of that entire series. It all is that one fucking cricket ball. Yeah. <laughs> like ruins everything, right? Yeah. And it felt a little bit of the same with the lion thing, which is – like we talked about, you know, Australians like don't have pitches that are conducive to spin bowling for a start and that's why we're no good at playing spin. It, like anyone who understands anything about cricket knows how incredibly mighty the fact – I mean, Nathan Lyon's going to be one of the highest credentialed, highest wicket-taking you know, cricketers of all time. That's going to be the story of his career. As an Australian off-spinner, not a leg spinner, mm. a finger yeah. spinner, you know, yeah. that we – ordinarily only gave a role in, in the subcontinent to have a regular finger spinner in our team. The fact that he's consistently taken so many wickets in so many conditions, I don't think we rate – I just I, – I still think even the people who rate Nathan Lyon probably don't ever step back far enough. It, it's like one of those things where when he's not there, he's – that's right. You, you realise what a huge role in the team, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it took it took him like you know tearing his calf and being out for the series to realise how much we loved him. Um, yeah, I hundred percent agree. I I think that um, I think it's what was interesting was uh, when uh, Moeen Ali uh, hurt his finger in, in the first test, and. Um, and then Lyon was asked, "What you should do?" <laughs> and he said, "I'm not telling you. I'm not going to tell you. But there is, there's something, there's something I do. I mean, I don't know if it's pissing on his finger or whatever he does, but there's some sort of <laughs> secret thing. Because, sorry, but the reason why I'm bringing yeah. that up is, you know, you said as an off spinner, not a leg spinner, as an off spinner to be that successful, it's really hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of wear and tear in your fingers, and especially in Australian conditions where you don't get." You don't get much love. Um, so, you know, there's wear and tear in your fingers, so you also got to work a lot in flight um, and topspin. And so, you know, to, to do what he's done is is Herculean. And, I mean, he would have come in, I reckon, 10 overs, 12 overers in this morning or, you know, like last night. Oh, hundred. He yeah. would have been. He would have definitely been. Yeah, the the. I mean, he might have opened the. Like, yeah. you know, it might have been fast from one end, a line yeah. from the other end this morning. Like, really, honestly, because he's the guy we go to in all those situations. Rohit Sharma said after the last Indian series that he thought he was the best international bowler. Like, Sharma he, said that facing India. Oh. Sharma said oh, that. My like God. that he was like that. You know, and if you think about that, that's. 
quite incredible, really. Like that that level of praise from an Indian batsman who has totally. seen some of the, you know, the right. I think we underrate him. I think that's really weird for us to say for a guy who'd played a hundred Test matches in a row. But there was just this period where I think we expect finger spinners to bowl us the victory on the fifth day, and it took us a long while to realise that's actually not what Nathan Lyon no. does. He will do that occasionally. Yeah. But he's more a guy who just can bowl well all the yeah. time, whenever it is. Yeah. Day one, day five, he whenever. He's going to kind of give you the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, you're, you're dead right. It's and, and also, just on a personality, he he's he's self-deprecating guy, yes. okay? And so he goes under the radar. I mean, he himself says, I, I sit in the middle of the bus. Um. I don't sit up the back with all the, you know, with all the heroes, and I don't sit down in the front with, you know, Smith and Cummins with all the alphas. I'm just in the middle, and um, ultimate team man. My favourite story about uh, line, which you you, you would have known, um, is that when there was after I think it might have been a, an Ashes series actually when when they won convincingly, and and Michael Clark got an invitation from James Packer to go on the yacht. You're aware of this. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, so they all got this invitation to go on the yacht, and it was Hussey's last test. Now, the tradition, if it's your last test, particularly if you're you know, a, a, a great servant of the game like Mike Hussey, is you, you sit around and have beers with him and you swap stories. That's what you do. And Clark, being more celebrity-oriented than, than the rest of the team, wanted to get onto the, onto the yacht. And so um, there have been a couple of problems with Clark wanting to do things before the team's song was sung. <coughs> Um, one was going out with Laura, Laura Bingle, uh, and he, the team, Hussey w- wouldn't sing the song until he was ready. Um, anyway, so they were going on this yacht, and all the players decided to go on the yacht except Nathan Lyon, who's going to stand by his mate and have beers with his mate. And I just think that says everything about Nathan Lyon. That was early in his career, and he, sa- and he said, you know, it's all about mateship for him. It's all about being a servant to the team. It's not about being a hero and and to it, it's the reason why it's hard for us to fathom is because it's the complete opposite to warn so um uh, we've got a spinner who has the absolute opposite personality so it's just hard for us to get our heads around because you know that's what we're used to i think you're absolutely right in that because about warney like we we went to warney when we needed a hero yeah <laughs> and he was he was suited for the role, right? Like chuck the ball to Warney, everybody gather around, something's going to happen here. Like, you know, whereas Nathan Lyon, that's not how he works. No. Nathan Lyon just goes about his work yeah. and then just at the end of each test match, you go, who took the most wickets? Oh, yeah, Nathan <laughs> Lyon. He was probably going to be the highest wicket taker of this series, yeah. right? Without ever, you know, necessarily taking a bag of six or seven. He was like he would just chip away and in every innings get two, three, four wickets and like just do that all series to the point where he had 25 or 30 wickets at the end like he does all the time. And that thing about, I mean, obviously he sings the, the celebration song, like the idea that they've had him there for that period of time I think that there would have been more balance thrown out in the team from that than we imagined. Yes. Yes. I mean, you're dead right. I mean, it's like it's literally 
I mean, there's some great players in the Australian team, but there's a huge vacuum right now. And, you know, this kid, can I just have a quick shout out to Murphy? I mean, he, he, you know, not much happened when he was bowling. The pitch was a bit dead for him and, and everything. He's 22 years old. But that, that run, that, fought, that boundary that he saved, that bit of fielding where he tapped, he, he leapt in the air across the boundary over the rope and tapped the ball in, that was excellent. I just think that was, you know, I think he's got a lot of confidence, um, that kid, and and, uh, and I think there's a, you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. It's a bit of a baptism of fire, though, right now. Yeah, particularly that aspect of it. Mm. I mean, if we'd had 400 for him to be able to, yeah. you know, bowl to, I would have loved to see him bowl because I don't think he was daunted by the occasion. I think that just the situation didn't suit, you know, particularly how he bowls and what he you know, needs to go about his work. But I like, you know, I like that he's, that, that they picked yeah. him. Yeah. And I think, you know, there might be a temptation in, in the next test, depending on what the pitch is, to not pick a spinner. And I hope they don't go yeah, that yeah. way. I hope they don't say that, like, you know, Travis Head and Steve Smith <laughs> and Marnus or whatever yeah. can, you know, What's do What's the deal it? with Smith bowling off spin now? When, you know, because he used to be a leggy. So now he's, he's bowling off spin. What's that about? I mean, why is he bowling? He shouldn't be bowling. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think we should ever be in a situation. I know he was originally picked as a bowler, but we've moved beyond yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's become the second greatest batsman of all yeah. time. It's time for us to just forget about his bowling. <laughs> Marnus think. thinks he's better at bowling anyway than, than Smith. So, you know, I mean, whenever the ball's thrown to Smith, you know, Marnus is always like, what, what about me? Um, yeah, I, I – Okay, I, think you're right. was, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah go oh, on. No, I think you're, I think you're dead right. I don't okay, want to see, so I don't want to see I, head be the number one spinner. No, no. Okay, well, let's let's go. Th- I mean, one of the things I've enjoyed doing uh, is just sort of let's do a bit of a mid ashes. Look, you know, I, there might be some people who are like, oh, we haven't really talked much about the the English and how they went in this test match. And look, you've come to the wrong podcast. <laughs> this is not that podcast. <laughs> you know, they did well. Stokes was great yeah. in the first yep. innings. He's an amazing player. Wood was fantastic. Yeah. It was great, Brooks you know, back. to see um, Brooks back. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, Wokes was great. Yeah, Wokes. I think he's good. Repping. He is a silver fox, Wokes. I'll give him oh, that. Yeah. He's repping some good grey hair. I he, like his, like, you know. The nicest guy in cricket, they um, say, Will. Nicest guy in cricket. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. I quite like, I mean, I, I mean, bit to go Wokes, go broke. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I say. A bit too <laughs> Wokes for mine. I did want a photo of, I did want a photo of, of Cummins bowling to Wokes. And it's like, Wokes meet Woke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't checked any of the – this is only the morning after, but I assume somebody's preparing an editorial at the moment about Australia losing because that covers <laughs> is too woke. I assume that's the reason that we lost. Yeah, news, so. news Corp, exactly. That's, that's the MO for sure. So, we, we, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but um, there's something about it. No, yeah. I thought a little – let's do a little – I mean, this is off the top of your head, but let's do a little mid – to a report card. So we can take into account the World Test Championship. We'll just go top to bottom. We can just speculate on a – and I'm happy to help out here. Like, you know, a numer- we're going with a numerical out of 10, you know, kind of traditional 
how have they gone so far in the four tests that have been played? We'll give them. So we'll go from top to bottom. So um, let's start with I reckon a pretty easy one. Usman Kawaja. What are you giving him out of I, ten for his four tests he's played? I'd have to say I, I'm going to say seven and a half. Oh, seven yeah, and a half. like I, I would, I would say eight. Go on, explain. Yeah, I'd like, I like a little bit of explanation. I mean, it's, 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 it's been, it's been great, but I, I've been a little bit kind of, it's just a little bit up and down. Um, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to go hard. I'm going to go hard with all these. So, so I think seven and a half is actually a pretty good mark um, for for me. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't have anything to compare it to, uh, but we're about to have something. To, we're gonna, we're about to have something to compare <laughs> it to. So, uh, <laughs> uh, David Warner, how do you think David Warner's been going then on your hanging judge harsh? Yeah, scale? yeah, I'm the, yeah. I mean, for better words, the the Pierce Morgan. Um, yeah, uh, four. Give him four out of ten. I, I just think that I would have given him five because he has played better. You know, he has shown signs of potential, but he's pretty streaky. And, um, yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, it's a bit of a tragedy. I, I love an old sportsman doing well. It's my favourite thing. You know, when, you know, when Perkins won in 96 and, uh, you know, uh, from lane eight or lane one, whatever it was, uh, I was just like, you know, so happy. Whenever, you know, I, I was – I love – I love Ponting the most when he was struggling towards the end, you know, and I and and Lily after his back surgeries and everything, you know, there's something romantic about an old guy doing well. So I want wanted to do well, but yeah, I would give him four. Yeah, well, I I, th- I think he's done okay. In fact, I think he's done better than I expected. But it feels like if they're gonna if they're going to continue to produce pitches like this, that He's just going to continue to nick fucking broad. They're going to yeah, they're going to continue to pick broad. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it just feels like that. We know how that's going to end. And yeah, I'm like you. I love the person who's been written off, then having their moment. Like you know, that's like particularly Test match cricket. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Brooke. Like that was yes. like. He, you know, Moen's been sent in at number three to try to protect him. It's like all the pressures on him, you know. Like it, it's great. That's what these moments are <laughs> about. And seeing somebody seize their moment is fantastic. Yeah. And like you said, Kieran Perkins from Lane Eight. Yeah, yeah. We thought he couldn't do it, but he's bloody done it again. <laughs> That's right. But we had that with Dave Warner. It was at the MCG last yes. year when he made two hundred. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. That was the guy who was the aging That's guy it. having that one. That was his lane eight. Now he's trying to win it from another pool. He's not in the <laughs> pool and he's still trying <laughs> to win. You yeah, know? That you're right. It's if the Warner used to always talk about his scriptwriter, you know, and his you know, he just had this amazing scriptwriter and he's able to get out on top. Warner's got a like a, a shitty scriptwriter. You know, it's like some dude who's who's been doing NCIS for a long time. It's just fucking 
over it, <laughs> just writing ridiculous storylines. Well, I, th- I think it's more like he ha- he had a really good scriptwriter who finished the series and said, "That's the finale. We're never making another one." And then this and the studio came in and said, "Sorry, it did really well. We're going to have to make a sequel, whether you're involved or not. Even if it's a shitty sequel, we're going to have to keep right. making these." <laughs> so they're just getting a bunch of like hacks from Grey's Anatomy and NCIS yeah. to come in and just write yeah. some shit. They don't even understand yeah. cricket. Um, yeah, so four, yeah. <laughs> four out of ten. <laughs> okay. Now, this is interesting. I'm very interested to uh, hear what you think about this. Is uh, Manus Labuschagne. What sort of series do you think that the former number one test batsman in the world has been having? Oh, it's been so disappointing. I mean, it, it, it's uh, for him, for him, because, I mean, he keeps on getting – he's made a few 30s, hasn't he? Starts, yeah, loves the loves start. start, and then the edge, um, edge to second slip again. Oh, is, is that what we're saying? Um, and you know, he keeps on going back into the nets and just working on it, and then he keeps on getting you know, Andrew McDonald to do throwdowns in the form of you know, wood, um, and like you know, just like 150 outside or something with that like flinging thing they use in the, in the nets, um, which uh, you, you know, you know, those flinging things that you get for your dog, um. So look, I think that I, I think that I one century outside Australia, Manus is mate. So he mm. it's it's he's yes. this huge question mark overseas. He didn't have a great tour of India. Um so yeah, I just think he's probably around six, six and a half. And like I would say that I would say yeah. that, that Kawaja is seven and a half, and I would say that that, that Manus would be six. And, w- and Warner yeah. four on your scale, yeah. I feel like I like if you're if Warner's four, if we've set the parameters at Warner being a four and Kawaja being a seven and a half, then I can't allow you to have Manus more than yeah, a six. Yeah. I feel like six, six is, yeah feels feels okay. All right, well, Steve Smith then. How's Steve Smith been? Two centuries, seven, seven and a half, seven and a half. Like yeah, seven and a half. Like Kawaja. What is Kawaja made two centuries or just a one? Oh well, so no Smith. Maybe he's an eight. No, he's seven and a half. No, it's Kawaja made a uh, hundred in the World Test Championship and a hundred right. in. Yeah, we're including that. The first, yeah, test. yeah. So you know, yeah. so he's. I would just have Smith at an eight because of the amazing catches. Okay, catches. Yeah, I mean, look, he has had a good time with the catches. I, I understand that. We, I would love to see. We need one more real big. We do. There's a question here, mark, particularly if Martin. Yeah. Yeah. He's hovering between seven and a half and eight, Will. He's hovering. Mm. Okay. All right. He's a hoverer. Now, uh, Travis Head, how do you feel about Travis Head then? Uh, I would say seven for Trav, especially that last okay. innings. So a couple of, couple of very pivotal innings. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I yeah. think we're ca- he's coming good. That'll change, I think, I hope. Mm. But, he's you know, okay. there's been some. Upside. What do you reckon around that? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah. I think he's played a couple of really great knocks. Like when he's on, he's on, yeah. and you know, and that's his game. Mm. You know, you, can, you know what I did love though. Honestly, what, he's batting with Mitch Marsh in the first innings, where like Head decided Marsh is going here. I'm going to be the one who you know farms the yeah. strike to him and don't bat like I normally bat. I loved that, and so it didn't really surprise me that he batted so well in the second innings because I was like, I felt like there was something. Yeah, you know, went on in that first innings where I was like, "This is like the sign of a 
maturing cricketer. Also, I feel a little more and more confident with him. This is such a weird thing to say, and I have not done the statistical breakdown on this, but I hope somebody has, which is runs he scores with his full moustache versus runs he scores clean shaven because it just feels to me he looks more like the cricketer I know and admire when he's got the full moustache versus when he's – and, like, they've had the family over. He's had, clearly, his partner over. There's his, been a conversation. Like, you've, got a, you've got a real insight <laughs> into their relationship. Like, the partners are over. Suddenly, Trevor's head's all clean shaven. But now the moustache, like, he's growing it back in. Like, I just feel more confident with him as a cricketer when he's got facial I, hair. Is that a weird thing to say? Not at all, mate. <laughs> and you'd be, amazing with all the, you'd be amazed with all the nuff-nuffs out there that, who have done Ricky Ponting's average pre-yeah-yeah hair restoration and post-hair <laughs> restoration. And he averaged a lot. His average post Restoration was way worse. So yeah, there, there's there's something to be said to said about that. And I, and I and I and I have this imaginary conversation of Mitch Marsh and, and Head in the middle, and 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 Head saying, "You be you, and I'll be your father." Um, yeah. <laughs> because you know you mentioned this earlier in the podcast. It's like the word that the phrase yeah. "sheet anchor roll" was invented for Jeff Marsh, which is the the person is you know one day in the Nationals who opens and then just like. Tap, you know, holds up one end. Um, yeah, just stays yeah, there. Yeah, and as you said, holds shit together. Yeah, it was out of fashion. Like it started in the in the eighty seven World Cup. It was out of fashion within two years or something. You know. Um. So yeah, I I uh, what what do we say with head seven? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm pr- I'm pretty happy with yeah. seven. Little little bit of handy bowling. Like to see him bowl yeah, more. I I, th- yeah. I I quite like him as a breakthrough bowler. Like not long spells, but. I'd like to see him bowl some more. So, all right, um, Alex Alex Carey. Uh, no, no. Let's go. Let's go the all rounders first. Let's give Mitch Marsh. I only played one match, but out of the one match he was played, what are you going to give Mitch Marsh? Oh, it was a good, a, good eight and a half. I, I loved, I love seeing him there, and, he, and you yeah. know, he's just, he's just got such a, you know, he's such a likable dude. I know everyone hates him, but he's such a likable guy. He's got a multitude of facial expressions. Um, and uh, and just hits the ball so hard, so cleanly. You know, it's if you know you you're, you're kind of used to seeing. Are you a left hander or right hander, Will? Ah, uh, right hander. But my dad is what I what I will say is my dad bowled right hand and batted left hand. And as I've got older, it's so weird that when I play imaginary cricket, I'm left handed. I don't know why that is. I always feel like maybe I should have batted left-handed. Like, because, you know, there is that theory of, you know, that a right-hander should bat left-handed because of the – Yes. Like, the, have you ever heard this before? And, Top hand. And it's quite – like, there is a lot of good examples of people who, yeah, like – and I certainly in my imaginary cricketing, I am left-handed, even though when I played real cricket, I batted right-handed. Well, I mean, you're just seeing – I mean, in the last few years, you know, when you, you've got Ben Stokes and you've got Gilchrist, you've got these really sw- – uh, head, you've got these swashbuckling left-handers. It's just interesting to see a right-hander come out and just smash it. It was it was, it was a little bit different, and I loved, I loved that. So, yeah. Mitch Marsh, I give eight and a half, uh, and I, I guess Cameron Green, I give six. Um, he hasn't really done much, uh, and but as you say, um, if you look at the stats with Cam Green, it's they all work out. 
I mean, th- those catches are spectacular. Yeah, he does. He does every every game. He does something like. There's never a game where it isn't a catch or a wicket or like enough runs or a little. I thought his Indian batting was really fa- yeah. fantastic. I don't think he's had a great innings clearly no. since he's been there, but I think that there's a lot to like a bit, a lot of upside for him. But I agree, like on performance, you probably can't say any more than a six yeah, at this yeah, stage. Yeah. So interesting one now, Al- Alex Carey. How do you feel about Alex Carey? Oh so uh, well, you. you- do you get almost a, a half a point or a four point for the best dis- dismissal? Um, I, 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 I mean, like I think he's, I think he's had a great seven, like, seven and a half, like yeah. England. Yeah, I just think he's been like he batted really well in the Test Championship. Like it's been not as good batting, but he's like played some handy innings. Mm. But I think he's keeping, mm. particularly when you look at the opposition. And like what their keeping has been like versus like what we get from our keeper. I've been. I've been super impressed by Alex Carey. I think he's had a really, really good series. So, um, what did you give him? Oh, I give him, score? I give him seven. Um, he's probably worth seven and a half. Probably mm. seven and a half. Let's say that. Um, give him half of the yeah, best, yeah. though. At the very yeah, least, for you sure. give him half of the best. Though. They do these. Um, <laughs> they do these psychology tests uh, when you come into the Australian cricket team, and um, and you just you know just work out kind of what personality you are, etc. And Carey's leadership credentials were off the charts just you know obviously that is someone to keep in mind if if you you know post cummins um if you're looking for a if you're looking for a captain very cool head and um oh, well i mean the fact that he was captain the inaugural captain of the gws in the afl like yeah. you know so he obviously had leadership skills from when he was young and a young sports person but the thing that i found really interesting about his like you know leadership is that so uh he's the guy who's doing the australian song while he was that was passed to him while lions out of the team and that's a great respect that he is seen as a very integral part of that team you know that if there were was any question mark over whether he was going to be the permanent australian keeper going forward which i feel like 12 months ago or 18 months yeah. ago, there still was. It was still felt like it was a little up in the yeah. air. I think between India and and England, he has – like you just don't think about that at all now. No. You're like he's, you know, first one pick. I mean because he took so long to get a stumping, a test stumping, and now he's like, you know, yeah. he's getting three or four. So, I mean he's had three yeah. or four in, in a few innings. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's – he's. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think he's great. I think he's solid and I think, it, you know – what the referral system that Australia have got now that includes the captain, the bowler, and Kerry, but they all look to Kerry, um, of course, because he's the keeper, but he's yeah, also well, a level head. I mean, uh, as as Charlie as Charlie Clawson and I dubbed it last week, the itty bitty diddy hitty committee, <laughs> um, which is what they form. Uh, and of course, the one thing we know is you just don't let uh, Manus be involved in no, that no. discussion at all. He's, he's way out. He's now way on it, out at uh, mid off, isn't he? Um, I mean, Manus is the better call Saul of that corner. <laughs> like, you know, he feels like <laughs> just do not do not listen to this guy. Hundred <laughs> percent. I just want to work out the. I just want to. I just want to salute the minds that came up with itty bitty diddy hitty committee. Um, that is that's gold. Uh, congratulations, Charlie and Will. Uh, I like that though because Kerry does seem to be such a huge part of it. Because 
you've rarely met a bowler who doesn't think that you should appeal everything, right? You know, <laughs> but and there is that aspect of like you know the excitement of everybody else in those moments. But it's quite amazing that he has since they've gone to him. I'd like to see what their strike rate with appeals is since they've been consulting with Kerry. Yeah. Uh, like bef- versus before yeah. when we were just terrible at doing yeah, it. Yeah, just hearing from everybody, hearing from people are fucking squarely yeah. about LBW <laughs> decisions. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. yeah, no, we've, we've really sorted it out. Um, but, yeah, and imagine, but imagine in the old days, imagine, imagine saying no to Dennis Lilly about a referral. Could that happen? I mean, it'd be terrifying, wouldn't it? To say, no, Dennis, I, I think it was going over. Or, no, Dennis, it was pitched outside the league. You just couldn't say it. I mean, <laughs> just been- Oh, no, no, no. You, all, all, three, all three reviews would be done in the first over. <laughs> That's right. You would have burnt through all of them just going, well, we had, we had to check. <laughs> One hit him on the shoulder, but we checked anyway. <laughs> Dennis thought it was out. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there would never been any apology from Dennis, that's for sure. No. No, it was worth a check. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into the bowlers. Uh, So uh, the captain, let's talk about Captain Pat and his performance so far. What are you going to give him out of uh, of seven and a half? Seven and a half. I yeah, you know, he's that 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 six wicket haul in the first innings was amazing. But yeah, no, he's he's been pretty consistent. He's uh, you know, I, I think what you made a really good point before about. You know, he and Hazelwood being a little bit interchangeable. Yeah, I, I think they are. Um, and I probably just think that Cummins is Cummins at his best is is volatile. So you know, it, it's it's great that um, I, I think it's important that we always have him, not just because he's captain. Um, I think he's our premier fast bowler. Uh, having said that, I, I mean, you, again, I, I I think if we have Nessa in there, I think that'd be a nice kind of a nice variety. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think, yeah, I think Cummins, considering everything that he has in his workload, has been great. And here's what I will also give him a massive shout-out. I just think he, the way he handled the Carey Best, I think, was stunning. I, I agree with you. Like the way that he just refused to get caught up in giving it any more important, like he didn't dismiss it outright in a way that was disrespectful to anybody, but he also just didn't elevate it. Every time they tried to bait the hook, the press, anybody else, like he just played it all so beautifully. Like even that moment where they, like that, the journalist asked him about the underarm, you know, would you bowl it underarm? And he and he was like, well, it just depends how flat yeah. the pitches are. He went, he, he he went for comedy. Like, what yeah. a great um, – there was a tweet by yeah. a guy uh, called uh, Dan Liebke, who I, I follow on Twitter, is a cricket guy, and he said, Pat Cummins faced down Steve Waugh's entire team when they all lost their shit over Langer. Everything else is trivial in comparison. I think that's a really good point. And that's kind of – we haven't – so so when he got rid of Langer, I mean, it all comes down to Cummins wanting Andrew McDonald. And there's a precedent for that. Every captain has their own coach, really. I mean, it's – uh, Border had Simpson. Taylor didn't get on with Simpson. Eventually changed to Marsh, and on it went. Um, you're pretty much a so- captain and coach are kind of associated with each other. It's, you know, Buchanan went through a couple of captains, but it's 
you know that that's that's the that's rare. So I think that if you are staring down Ponting the you know Ponting and the walls and worn and saying no, this is what I want. You're a strong guy, um, and the English media is kind of no you know if you, then you know they're nothing compared to those guys. I mean, it's uh, so I I. Well, I, I agree. Yeah, I do agree with that. But I think that we underestimate for a like yeah, yeah. just how composed he That's is. Right. And I agree. I, I, I do agree with you. I think I think it would have been more difficult because when Langer was gone, every single one of his old teammates yeah. came out and they all have pretty much prominent media positions yeah. and they were all prosecuting the exact same line. And that was a line that, you know, there's people – you know, who still, you know, want the glory days of, you know, unsociable Australian cricket to come back. But this is a new era. This is a new team. You know, this is not who they are and what their personality is. And I love that insight that every captain gets their coach because you hear the old cricketers talk about the idea that there wasn't even coaches, that it was all the captain. And I think the best model is it is. It's a captain-coach combo. Yeah. And you look at it with Basball. Yes. Like Joe Root talked about the idea that he, like, wanted to play like that. But, you know, but it's like it's got to be a captain-coach, you know. Like Stokes, it works because Stokes wants to play that way and McCullum wants to play that way. That's the team. That's why Basball works as an yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, you would not, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, you know, the personality as well, like, you know, Stokes fits in really well with McCullum. And, you know, a lot of people call it Stokes ball. Um, yeah, and I don't, I mean, I'm not in there, so I don't really know, but it, for me, just as an observer, I, I don't think Root and McCullum are as simpatico, but, um, uh, maybe, uh, um, but it, it's. No, yeah. but that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Like you need that combo, yeah, right? Exactly. Like yeah. you need the one that, like one that unlocks the other one. And if it, it's not enough to have like McCullum start coming in and say, oh, I want to play this way if Root is it is an instinctive to his personality. Like I think that the way Root plays in the basketball system, he wouldn't have been able to do as captain because he can play that way now because he's not yes. captain and that's the team philosophy. Yeah. But if it had had to come from him, yeah. if he started coming in and on the first ball tried to reverse scoop at six when he was captain, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that that's wouldn't right. have been – Natural to his. No, right? he's a very that doer captain like, or doer captain. That would have been like, who's yeah. it? This guy's having a nervous yeah. breakdown. What's <laughs> like? Is he okay? Is Sharon okay? Like, you know. No, you're dead right. That is hilarious. It's like, yeah, poor old, poor old Sharon's had a breakdown because he's, you know, he's a, he's a kind of a, a when he was captain, he took it on as enormous responsibility. You know, you could see it in his face. He was like very kind of respectful of the of the role and the the whole process. Whereas Stokes, oh, who would have known when he was fighting people outside nightclubs that this guy would be such a great captain and such a great leader of people? Um, and everyone admires him. Oh, I mean, so, sometimes. Sometimes it takes a you know a nightclub fight yeah, yeah, to yeah, pull yeah. a cricket career steak. together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a nightclub. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't the first, and it won't be the last. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> that's the turning point. Is that is that you get into a fight in a nightclub and, and then realise that you're a great leader of men. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but I, I think I think <laughs> it's all part of the hero's, ju- it's the hero's yeah, journey. Hero's isn't journey, it? It's in the, the Joseph Campbell hero's book, journey. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, the comments has been like the way he's handled the English media and the yeah. ways. He, like I, I, I always mm. love the Albanese style one word answer, like when they do this long preamble and then they, you know, the question underarm yeah. or whatever he say. Is it like that? No. Mm. Do you reckon uh, England England have got no. the ascendancy now? No. <laughs> Why? Two one. No. <laughs> He's just good. He's very good. It wasn't it funny in the test in the right. second season of the test where when um when they went to his they went to his library and there was all these great books in his library and everything and you know you, I felt a little bit proud. I thought, yeah, that's uh he's our guy. He's a kind of this universal man. Um and Steve Smith actually before Cummins became captain, Steve Smith was campaigning to actually be captain again. Um and he even kind of pulled out the kind of you know, should a bowler be captain thing. Uh but in India, when he took over for those final two tests when, when Cummins' mum was sick and then died, um, he said, No, this is Pat's team. This is Pat's team. Um, because Pat, some people said, Oh, you know, Steve Smith was captaining better or whatever he was. No, no, no. So mm. uh but also Pat Pat clearly, and this is what I love, like honestly do love, is that in the past, someone who wanted to be captain, like that's where some of the Warner trouble came from, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wanted leadership roles that he wasn't getting. There was internal friction in the yeah. team. And like in the past in Australian cricket, someone who was the former captain or still wanted to be captain in that circumstance, it would be instability within the team, right? Whereas they captain together. It's clear that a lot of the time Cummins is happy when he's like doing something else, particularly concentrating on a bowling spell, for Smith to essentially be moving the field without yeah. like running it by Pat. Or That's doing, exactly right. Like, and so the fact that Cummins is like giving Smith that leadership role that's clearly there in the team and the permission to do it like that, I think goes a lot. It says a lot about Cummins as a leader that delegation is part of his leadership style. And it's clearly also the reason that Steve Smith, you know, is so willing to talk about it being Pat's team because, you know, he clearly feels respected yeah. and used well still, Yeah, right? I mean, that's all Smith wants. He doesn't necessarily want to be at the press conferences yeah. or have the camera. He just wants to be involved. You know, yeah. that's you, you kind of get this kind of yeah, savant. Yeah, he loves playing cricket. Yeah. He wants to change the field that's or do, exactly yeah, right. take catches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've, you've nailed it there. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Yeah. I think that um, I think that, that, that Smith's happy and um, and Cummins has got this amazing personality. Even when he, he took that catch, you know, where he and Stark nearly ran into each other. I mean, Cummins clearly called mine. He, he called caught the ball and that dark look that Stark gave, like, who, what the fuck kind of look? And then he saw it was Pat and Pat just gives him the high five and it kind of yeah. turned that frown upside down. And, and it was a lot, it was a big shift to turn around, Will. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty thundery, and uh, it's just that he's just got that winning personality. So yeah, very happy with Cummins. I mean that that moment of, and I do hear that he and Mitch Marsh are close. Like, but oh, yes. that moment, like when Mitch Marsh makes his his hundred, I can't imagine Pat Cummins would be happier if he ever made his own Test century because it was 
like the amount of joy, genuine yeah. joy that was on his face when that happened was, <laughs> yeah, it was great. And, and Travis Head too, doing uh, air punches as he's as he's running down. His, I mean, he was gone for all money. If, if Broad had collected that cleanly and, and shot at the stumps, I think Head was out. And and uh, but but once he fumbled it, then <laughs> then Head's doing the air punches as he's as he's running down because he just loves Mitch as well. I mean, obviously, such a popular dude. Uh, but yeah, Cummins. Um, Okay, yeah. so all right, so Cummins we've talked about, we've covered off uh, Paddy, and uh, uh, let's uh, Mitch Stark. Let's say Stark next. I think seven. What, what I think he's. I, I've, I'm so happy yeah, with, with what he's done. I, 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 you know, bowling way better in England than he's ever bowled in England before, and something you know, you, there's something to be said for experience. And uh, sure, you may your first few series may not have gone as well as expected, but you learn. Um, and uh, he's much, he's a much better bowler than the, than previous series. I think this is one of the things in cricket in general that we've like we've seen it enough now. Players get better no, like no. they don't yeah. have to always get worse we have this idea <laughs> that players are good at some level for a while and then eventually they just get yes. worse because in the old days that's kind of how it would happen yeah. whereas it's not necessarily the case these days sometimes players can you know reinvent themselves or they can learn from previous experience to be better at what they do and i i think that's a story we're seeing more and more in world cricket now so uh yeah i think stark's been good couple of handy runs like he's a pretty Decent batsman still, so I think, um, yeah, no, he's like big tick for him. Um, all right, Scotty Boland, it's been tough for Scotty. What, 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 oh, what, yeah. I mean, World Test Championship bowled well, oh, so you got to okay. give him some yes. something for that. But it's been around five, five and a half. Since. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. he's um, and he's he's bowled without luck as well. It must be said, you know, there's been a, 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 a he nearly got best a few times I last agree. night. So yeah. Oh, I mean that, and and that LBW against oh, uh, uh, Stokes, Stokes, yeah, yeah. Like when it was just like if the umpire had called it out, it would have been out. It was one of those review ones that just like I mean, you know, that it was like it hit his pad and it was going to hit the wicket. <laughs> you know, um, it was it, like it was such it, you know, a so, clean hit of the wicket yeah. turners. Like you know, I've got an American mm-hmm. friend. I actually tweeted this, but I've got an American friend who's always asking me to explain things to him, and I and I was preempting that he was going to ask me to explain on Twitter. I, I showed that footage and said that that's why the game's not popular in America. It's just you know, Americans are too literal for this kind of <laughs> strange eccentric game. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, who haven't we done? Uh, Hazelwood? We haven't uh, done Hazelwood, Hazelwood, you know, yeah. I, I gave I, five and a half, six, kind of. I, I, you know, it was fine. He was fine. Bold okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, bold okay without bowling out of his skin. Nathan Lyon, I guess, pre-injury, we've got to just go. Oh, I thought he mate, was yeah. flying, to I be honest. I think so too, you know, seven and a half. God, I mean, yeah, I, I miss him so much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. We miss you so much, uh, and it, just the cruel irony of the hundred in a row. No bowler had ever done that many in a row before. The idea that it was an Australian off spinner who had played, like there was, so, and then just for that to be the game in which you heard yourself, he was yourself, shattered, just, wasn't he? It's too much, man. Wasn't he shattered? Just oh, sitting shattered. there when he came out to bat, oh. like oh, just it's your hero's journey, anyway. yeah. I know. Uh, all right. Uh, who have I missed out? Todd Murphy. Uh, Todd Murphy. I would, Todd he Murphy, hasn't done anything. Five, 
you know, I mean, four and a half, five. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's just, I mean, that, that bit of fielding, as I mentioned, yeah. great. But, um, yeah, I not not given a Batted chance. Okay, yeah. he like he can bat. He can bat. I mean, like I mean, yeah, like not given a chance, but he can actually bat a little bit as well. Like, so yeah, it's a lot of upside um, for Todd Murphy. A lot of upside. I didn't miss anyone, did I? That's the whole. That's. Not I bad. mean, uh, have we? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Line, yeah. Um, so it, it, the thing about Murphy, what I. I love because I think his brother was actually better than him, but his father always said that that Todd had the um, had the killer instinct, and his brother didn't have it. Yeah. So that's interesting, isn't it? It's like you know yes. they're all killers, really. Um, you know, even though then. Also, I always love. I I always feel good when there's like like a, a brother who was better. Like that was the thing with the wars. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. always a brother who was better than Mark and Steve. They were like, there's actually another brother who's better. It's the like, comedy thing that brother too, who mate. Was better? It's like, oh, you, you, you know, um, you yeah. know, Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah. He, his brother's funnier. Really? Yeah, he always cracks up. It's always someone's brother's funnier. You ever left? You ever met the rest of the Mooney family? That's where the rest of the mate. I mean, that would be a terrifying experience. Holy shit! The other Moonies. Yeah. Well, well, Adam Swar. I look. I'm aware of the fact that like we've been bagging on for nearly an hour and a half, and. Um, I thank you very much for doing this. Do you My have any uh, like, you know, final thoughts just about, um, you know, like, I mean, where this series is at, like, you know, like where anything that is left unsaid, this is the moment to uh, to say I, it. I, what's great about it is I don't know. I have no idea how things are going to unfold. I think it's going to be yes. it's going to be done. What's for your, what's your what's your like? If you had to, if you had to, like, just make a bold prediction. Like on the spot right now, how do you reckon the rest of it unfolds? I there is something that resonated with Darren Lehman tweeted just before the series. He said three one to Australia, and somehow that just landed solidly in my gut. So I'm going to say three one to Australia. Um, but that means that means yeah, I, I I thought it was going to I was going to thought it was going to be three yeah, two Australia okay. was my prediction at the start of the series. You might be right. I think that will still be the case, but I hope that it's. 3-1 first before three the, the only caveat I would say. I'd, I'd prefer it yeah, that me way. Too, me too. I, I don't want this pain again. Um, but, but I agree with you in the sense that all those wickets yeah. are going to be result – they're all going to be result pitches. It just might be a washout, that's all. That's what I'm I'm, I'm uh, preparing for. I reckon if you give England a day and a half, they'll get <laughs> a result. Oh, God. <laughs> It's been great. I, I mean, I like. I hope. I hope Test cricket. I hope the the um, I hope the ICC get their shit together and keep this going because it's 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 been wonderful and um, and I hope the BC, uh, what is it, the BCCI, whatever, um, the BCCI. Yeah, yeah. I hope they can just kind of think about the broader picture as opposed to their own IPL competition, which is, is all they care about. Yeah. Well, I think that this, like, I mean, look, I think this result was great for Test Match Cricket. Mm, That's the truth. If Australia was 3-0 up, the interest would have gone out of the rest of the series regardless of the quality of the cricket. So this is a result that is good for the future of Test Match Cricket, even though there would have been nothing that made me happier than to wake up this morning and see oh, that no. there'd been some sort of miracle, miracle and, and that we'd won. <laughs> it would have would have filled me with so much happiness. I know, and you know that no one's going to listen to our chat now because we lost. But you know, if you're here now, I just want to thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good point. I want to thank you for yeah, listening. Yeah, thanks for making it this far into. 
Yeah, yes. two nuffies. I think we did okay, actually. I thought, I thought, mate. I honestly thought this maybe this one would be a short one at the forty-five minute mark. We'd both be done talking about it, but we we, we found a way. We did okay. Thank you, Adam Zwa. Hey, uh, people should buy your book, uh, which is called um, Twelve, now, 12 Summers. Twelve Summers. Yeah. Twelve, Twelve Summers. Yes, uh, which is all about your love of uh, cricket and how it sort of was the you know soundtrack or the, the well anyway tell people you tell people better what the book is yeah than it's, me. it's so basically my it life in, running yeah plug. my life running parallel to the Australian cricket team yes. from like 1980 to 2007 and 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 I was an you know I was a bit of an anxious kid and and cricket kind of soothed my tortured soul uh I think it's and it still does I mean when everything is miserable in the world I you know you you or in my life, I, I can always turn on the cricket and suddenly I, it does relax me, even when Australia's losing. It still relaxes me. So, yeah, buy the book. <laughs> Thank you, <Adam. laughs> Thank you. Listener.